0: Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes, describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our leader for tonight is Bobby. Thank you. Bobby, how would you like your time? Uh, To last a long time. Uh, I will take myself off at exactly 25 minutes. Okay. All right, that's 20, that's 20, uh, yeah, okay, She's good. All right, so hi, everybody. My name is Bobby over you and Covered Bulimic. Hey, hey, Bobby. Bobby. hey, Bobby. So uh, w- uh, when I started here 32 years ago, it's when I went to college here. I did nine meetings a week, some in the day, five days a week, and four at night. That was my, I did four years of that, maybe three or four years. And so I call those my college years. And uh, I'm not even sure why. Oh, yeah. In those days, I used to have analogies every day. I used to just work with whatever was the topic of the day and make an analogy to recovery. And uh, people, I mean, I enjoyed doing that, and I got off on doing that. And I don't do that anymore because I don't come here that often anymore, once a month, twice a month. it's what I need to check in. And now, thanks to Scott, I'm sharing tonight. So I can use the analogy that I can do right now, is look at my face. So 25 years ago, I decided not to go in the sun anymore. So I went into recovery over sun damage, correct? And although Sunday, when I went, I put the SPF on, and it was only 80 degrees in Sonoma, and I had the sunglasses on, and my face got burnt. Does that mean I break my abstinence? Does that mean I'm not in recovery anymore? No, it's just a lousy day in recovery. There you go. There's my first analogy. Working with what I got. Those of you on the podcast have no idea what we're talking about here because you can't see my face, but it's red. So right away, that just makes me feel like the old days. I used to love the newness of everything being new. I came in November of 1986 and I really just came in to die. I didn't come in here for recovery, I came to die. Uh, I just was at the end, there was nothing left, Uh, cocaine hadn't worked. I did the cocaine long enough to keep me from suicide and then back into the original problem. So it saved my life, I'm going to be honest with you, and I took to it right away. But it turns out that anything white I take to, white rice, white bread, sugar, anything that I can possibly abuse, I do. Left to my own devices. So um, I didn't have much hope. And my very first meeting was a guy named Bob who had been here already 20 years. And uh, Bob was half blind and he became my friend. And I started coming here and coming here. And Bob taught me something in my second month. And when he'd see me come in all puffy, he'd put his hand on my lap and he'd go, you got to learn damage control right now. That's all you need to learn is damage control. And I took to that. You see, if you're coming in here 280 pounds, 270 pounds, and you're being bulimic three times a day, And you're drinking and doing drugs. Do you know what a commitment to abuse that is? Now, I no longer blame myself for any of that because I have a disease, but I had to take responsibility for that. So Bob taught me that, and I took to it. So I've been being bulimic for the last 10 years, four to eight times a day. If I could just get a week, that would be damage control. And I'd get a week, and then I'd lose it. And instead of coming like most people and being, you know, I was bragging. And nobody seemed to understand what I was, why I was so happy. Because I hadn't done seven days in, in ten years. So I learned early that, first of all, everything that we're asked to do in this program, normal eaters can't do. Do you get it? Normally, you just can't be perfect in this program. What chance do we have unless there is either a uh, spiritual change in you, an emotional change, or a physical change? But the reality is this disease is three-pronged, so the, re- the results of working three-pronged system of spiritual, physical, and emotional has to be, at least for me. I have had an amazing run, I'm going to tell you that right now, and I did nothing to deserve it, okay? I'm still breaking some rules, so I'll have to go back later and do amends to. And when I first started getting this run, I would say, well, I'm not doing what everyone else is doing. And someone said to me, so you're questioning God that he wants to give you this now? And that's when I said, thank you. I am humbled by it. All it is, though, is a reprieve one day at a time. I know it. It's in my soul, and it's the way I've lived for 32 years. I have done one thing perfect, is Tradition 3. Since the day I came into these rooms, I have never wanted to hurt myself and compulsively overeat ever again. I wasn't successful, but I definitely had Tradition 3 in me. So let me give you some numbers as people quite often uh, enjoy hearing numbers. And between you and me, most people come here and they listen to the people who've lost weight. Just as I did. Just as I did. The reality is my biggest gift is freedom and humility. That is my biggest gift that I got from these rooms. And the gift of... Comfort. And by comfort, meaning satisfaction. There are times I am purely satisfied to be standing out in the sun by myself. And I'm like really, really happy. This is not on my bucket list The things I wanted to get from these rooms because I came here to die. So I came here 32 years ago. And August 10th, God willing, I'll be 28 years bulimic free. Okay? Now... 32, 28, I took four years to get there. Because as Bob would tell me, this is a marathon, Bobby, not a sprint. Most people that are perfect right away fall and then just disappear. And there is no such thing as relapse. Now, if you've relapsed and you want to own it, God bless you. <laughs> I've had some shitty days in recovery Really shitty days of recovery, but I was still in recovery. I just wasn't able to do it right that day. And by not believing in that concept, it has kept me forward. Because he used to say, he used to, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a marathon. I got to be honest with you. In thirty-two years, you know how many superstars I've seen come through here, lose like two hundred pounds, become messiahs, and they're speaking all over the place, and phew, gone. And there used to be, in my time when I started, everyone would have all these um, different sayings like, uh, stick with the winners. Bob used to say, win with the stickers. And that was much, much profound. Because you can win for a while, but even Baumgartner can no longer pitch like he did. You only pitch, you only are great at perfection for so long. But if you keep sticking with it, and you have ebbs and flows, and hopefully your, your ebbs are at a higher level every time, then that's the most that you can hope for. Especially if you have a disease that's not going away. I am not recovered. No. I am not cured. And I have recovery today, and I hope to God I have it tomorrow. And that's it. But I'll ask for that tomorrow. When the very first thing I do is think about how to take care of myself. When I open my eyes, it's about taking care of myself. Well, I want more of a life than that. Well, if you do that first, you generally, and you get good at it, you have a lot of time for a lot of other things. You do. And then when you have a whole bunch of other things, and then you get slapped in the head one day, you think my life is shit and it's never going to be great again for that day until you go, Bobby, calm down. Just make it to midnight. This wasn't a good day. Tomorrow will be better. And when I realized that's the best that I could have, wow. Now, I'm OCD and I'm ADD. I don't show symptoms of it because I've been working on myself for 20 years. People go, wow, you're really disciplined. No, I set up a lot of safety valves and a lot of gates to keep my own personal ethics behind. I need to do this and stay behind this line. I need to do this and stay behind this. And if this happens, I have a safety valve, and that's what I do. But even if you do all that, your disease could still take you over. When you have the flu and you think you're depressed for two days, and when you were depressed, most of the time it's because you had an eating disorder, your brain plays with you. And then all of a sudden, you've been alone for two days in the house with the flu, and you're thinking, you're right back to where you started. You go, wait a minute, it came in back door. It didn't come in because I overate something. It didn't come in because it came in back door. And it took its opportunity to mess with me. You know, it's like an old lover who shows up at your house going, I promise this time I won't beat the shit out of you. Don't come in, I promise. Okay, come in, boom, it happens again. I'm not choosing to let it. When it slaps me around, I, I just make it through that night. And it does. And in terms of OCD, I don't know how many of you have it, but if you have compulsive overeating, it's a red pen, you might look into it. I will tell you something. There are days my brain still fries. On the days that my brain fries, and what I'm saying is I'll wake up a Sunday morning after a major nightmare. And I'm in OCD mode, and there ain't nothing you can do to stop it except live through it. And I'll call up my friend, and she goes, but don't. I said, what's the point of telling me don't? Just I'm telling you I have it right now. And the last time I had it, my, ba- my brain burned for three straight days with all kinds of amazing thoughts. But it hurt. But during the whole time that I had pain in my brain from being OCD, I said, you know what, Bobby? This is what your life was 24-7 before you came to OA. Now, OA is not supposed to fix OCD, but no one told me. So I thought God was going to fix and he did. It's done to about 11% of my life now. Couldn't cross the street at one point without checking if the cuffs were the same lens. Do you understand? And now, because I got rid of the carbs that were making me crazy, I got rid of the sugar that was making me nuts, binge eating, puking, throwing up, you know, always having a secret, always feeling like I'm doing something wrong and being in bondage. So what was it like? I can tell you what it was like in, in exactly two sentences, a day that lasted three. When I was sitting in a hot summer's day, well, this is not going to be two sentences, but sitting in a lot, hot summer's day in my apartment, there was a little tiny thing, and everyone was outside in the hot day, and my stomach hurt so much from eating piroshkis and potato salad, and it hurt so bad that it took me two and a half hours of rocking back and forth for it to finally get out of the pain, pain state. got up, went to the store, got more piroshkis and potato salad, and then did it again. That day, the last 18 years that we know each other, that day took longer than the 18 years. It was pure bondage and pure poison. And that is why I come to these rooms. If you do what they say in these rooms and you do what you can do you can, and you do it well enough, weight will come off. Weight will come off. But for me, living out of bondage is exactly the gift that I know I got. Most of the time, I'm pretty happy. Most of the time, people like me. I like people. And it's genuine. You know? When it's when I'm in a dark place, which is very rare. And even, I'm very rarely in a dark place. I will tell you that my lows are a lot higher than they used to be. My lows are a lot higher than they used to be. So that was my worst day. And that was, imagine, that's the way it was. I even got an indigestion right now for reminding myself of that, of that potato salad, and it hurt. So I came to these rooms, and people told me, fake it till you make it. So I said, okay. And I started, I love God, oh God bless you, I love God, God bless you. I didn't believe any of it. That was year number one. Oh, I don't know if I believe, it. I don't care. But you know, my my analogies was, if you don't believe in sit-ups, but you do 100 a day, you'll get a hard stomach whether you believe in it or not. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, I believe in God. Funny thing happened on the way to the theater. After doing that for two years, I really started believing it. So it worked. And then I said, okay, being powerless was one of the easy ones. I was totally surrendered because I was suicidal coming in. I was ready to give up. I couldn't live like this anymore. So what I discovered what I discovered, is the easiest way to recover is to accept. If you have OCD and you can't wear shoes that have laces, get one that have a zipper on the side with the laces pre-done. Then I can never fix that OCD problem, but I can buy shoes that are exactly the kind I need, so I zip them up and I never have to think about it. Albert Einstein used to wear five black suits a week, five ties, one white shirt, black socks, and black shoes. You know why he had OCD and he didn 't want to burn his brain power on thinking about what to wear. so he got up and wore the same thing every day. A lot of people do that with their food, and if you find yourself eating the exact same meal every day for your first year in program, that 's pretty good it 's a lot easier you know on to rock the, it might you know it depends on what you're eating, but <laughs> I ate beef and broccoli. You know how I got my first abstinence? This beautiful young woman came up to me. She goes, I'll help you with your abstinence. She goes, what do you want to eat? I said, Chinese food. She goes, okay, pick something here. And I said, okay, beef and broccoli. And I said, "Pick do you want to decide? I said, yeah, some rice. Okay. She goes, now that box and that box, that's your abstinence. I ate that same meal every day for dinner for a year, and I lost 60 pounds the first year. It it was an explained thing to me. I got it. Would that work for me now? No. But in those days, that's what taught me the concept of abstinence. I had a sponsor when I was in my second year, I would do performances in San Leandro, and on the way home, in those days, I would stop at all the all the fast foods or 7-Eleven, you know, and get all kinds of junk food. So when I was very new to this, this was you know in the first couple of maybe the first year, I wanted to binge my brains out. I had a horrible set that night, and people were not, you know, and it was horrible, and I called her up. and I said, I'm going to binge my brains out. And she goes, okay, I'll say a prayer, and I'll be with you. I said, what, that's it? <laughs> and she goes, well, if that's what you need to do, she goes, what we could do is maybe make a better absence than that. I said, okay, I'm going okay, to have a bag of M&Ms, and that's it. And she said, okay, I'll support that. I said, okay, wait a minute. I want a king-size (laughs) M&M's. And I got a king-size M&M's and ate it on the way home. And that was my abstinence. I said my prayers and I ate it. That was a good abstinence that night. Today would not work for me. But that night, when you're on the road to learning how to save your life, you do what you can to get to the next day, and then you try to do better. So I started taking people's advice. I started sticking with the stickers. I started um, going to meetings all the time. And the one thing that I would say, I I went through the steps. I went through step four with a therapist. After going through, yeah, oh man, I did it in one day. That woman was splattered on the ceiling. You can't, I said, she goes, but I don't want to talk about it. I just want to get it out. And I got to tell you, I no longer have secrets. I have one friend that I will tell everything to. One thing, I don't have to repeat it to everyone else as long as it's not infesting in my body. It's not accumulating guilt because that's what it's all about. So that worked for me. But I will tell you of all the things I've ever learned in here, my two greatest tools are acceptance and gratitude. If I get together my friend and we bitch at each other about what's wrong in our lives, for every five minutes that we spend talking about what's wrong, then we have to do five minutes of gratitude or what we're thankful for or what we're accepting. We have to balance it out. And I got to tell you, if I'm not in a good way, I'll go, what's wrong? Okay, that's what's wrong. All right, I'll accept it. I don't want to accept it. I'm grateful this is not how I am every day. Oh, I'm grateful I have a place to live right now. I'm grateful I have this. And then I do that, and then all of a sudden I'm in gratitude. And then acceptance got me to gratitude. And sometimes I do gratitude to get me to acceptance. And it just, that works the best for me. If I was telling anybody, before you learn everything, just practice gratitude and acceptance. And keep coming back, no matter what. And I pray before anything goes into my mouth. And sometimes, as I'm eating, if I feel any stimulation, I'll continue to pray in my head. I say my own personal prayer. That's my thing. And people, when I would binge, people go, and then I pray, and then I binge. They go, well, what's the point of praying? I said, that's the best time to pray, was you're binging. If you're going to pray when you're eating tuna fish, pray like crazy when you're eating a burger. You know, maybe it'll slow it down. You don't know. I do know, though, that I mentioned that I have 20 years bulimic-free, and i be, be honest with you guys, I didn't really care about anything else. I didn't care about being abstinent from all the things. I made mistakes. It was no big deal, as long as I didn't get rid of it. And then 18 years ago, as I was in the shower... In my 14th year as a program, I started sobbing and hearing. I stood at a turning point. I asked this forgiveness, and I really, really felt it. I called my sponsor, and I came to the Sunday meeting, and I knew I was upgraded. Something was upgraded in my body. I didn't do it. I was given an absolute gift from God, okay? And I really mean that. I didn't do anything to deserve this. And I talked to Scott right there 18 years ago. And I said, something's different in me. And now I have 18 years of abstinence. Now, abstinence meaning I have not hurt myself purposefully with food. Not only the bulimia part, but hurt myself. And I will mention one thing. In my years here, I lost a lot of weight, looked great in suits and everything. When I had three herniated discs, I ended up on the ground not being able to move for a year and a half. I put on 80 pounds and you, I went to meetings and no one talks to you and listens to you when you put on 80 pounds. I was just as abstinent then. I could barely get to meetings, I could barely, I'd could i be there with a cane. Because when you're not moving 15 hours a day and you have our metabolism, okay maybe you guys don't have that, but I have that metabolism. I put on 80 pounds, and I said, what a dirty joke this is, God. What a dirty joke. I worked so hard, and here I am. And then eight years ago, I I said, look, I'm being abstinent, but my body was right back to this. I said, okay, try again. Start again from day one in your brain, and sure enough, eight years later, Uh, my body from here down is pure muscle now I work out in the gym four or five days a week okay and then I went to my doctor and I noticed that I wasn't losing weight as fast as I did when I first came And she goes well first of all you're 30 years older that's number one and it doesn't and she says do you eat the carbs I said well no I gave up burgers french fries sugar everything I have a bagel with some apples, and that's it for my breakfast. She goes, Bobby, you could eat more food. And since you're not eating that many carbohydrates anyway, why don't you get rid of processed carbs? So February 16th of this year was the last time I intentionally ate uh, refined carbs. I haven't had white rice since that day. I have not gone my whole life without white rice. It's part of my heritage. It's the way we grew up. And I got to tell you, it's not that difficult when you do it at the right time for yourself. Do you understand? As a bulimic, I had to work my way up to just being an ordinary compulsive overeater. I was also an anorexic for a while. It was a year. It was good. I was so pretty. No, I was. I was. <laughs> I really was. And let me tell you something. Learn to love yourself, but just because you learn to love yourself, the world's still fucked. This prejudice. <laughs> Fat is the number one prejudice out there. Okay? We are still fair game no matter what. And the reality is the more weight you lose out of ten people, then six might be attracted to you. But if you're overweight, and you don't care how much you love yourself, the world is just... It's skewed that way. It is skewered that way. But once you love yourself, all you have to find is one person in seven billion. You see? And then what does it matter if everyone else loves you or not? But if you love yourself, you know, but those things aren't going to change. The prejudice of being overweight will never change. And let me tell you, when I was laying on my back with pain, I would say to myself, fuck, I'm going to spend my life being a fat person or having a fat issue my whole life. Now I don't care anymore. Now I got things revving at a really good rate. I'm comfortable all the time in terms of food. I'm not comfortable in terms of issues. I'm going to close. But I really, I want to tell you, not all of you are going to get it. But if you don't get it and you stay in these rooms, you'll do a lot better than if you go out. And a lot of you will get it. And, 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 you know, progress versus perfection, it's progress is perfection if you are just coming back if you're coming back and you and you binge every day you are so much more uh heroic than someone who's clean every day because when your uniform is dirty and you've lost every single day but you're still showing up then that's an amazing amazing thing i know I could go on for another hour, but I promised exactly, I got two minutes, that's good. I'm going to go through these and see, make sure, uh, especially while binging, I say my prayers. Oh, when I came to these rooms, I wasn't a big blue book person, but they used to have these cards about the acceptance prayer. And that was my life for the first two years. I should mention that. I picked up this card, and the acceptance prayer says, and acceptance is the an answer to all my problems today. If I find a situation, it's uh, this person, place, or thing. I would do that for everything in my life. Okay, this is happening. Okay, this is the reason I'm, like, I have to accept this. I would literally use it like a menu going around. And it was a really good one. I don't know, it used to be 448. It was probably is someplace else now because I haven't read a big book in forever. You know, I couldn't relate to, but I could relate to acceptance. And uh, I hope everyone who's new, I wish you much success, but you're already successful because you will never be able to go out there again without thinking about this. That I can guarantee you. If you want to not screw up your binging, don't come to these meetings. Because it's never enjoyable anymore. <laughs> and if you, and of all the things I've ever seen, this is the only thing that I've ever seen consistently work. So I thank you. 825 minutes on the nose. Okay, thank you very much.